Hello and welcome to Super Women, a podcast designed to help you manage your money and to end the gender gap. That means so many women face hardship when they retire. Today it's brought to you by the Really Simple Money team and MLC. As per usual in the studio, we've got our content editor, Bernadette Chua. Hey, Bern. Hey, Rosie. Hello. And our campaign director, Peter Lynch. G'day, Peter. Hello. And of course, our resident money expert, Genevieve Frost. And I'm Rosie Jacobs, campaign coordinator. And later on in today's podcast, I'm very excited to say we'll be speaking with a financial therapist. Bern, did you know there was such a thing? No, I didn't. Mm -hmm. On my couch. Yeah, we're going to get down and... uh, Gritty, dirty—is that such a thing with money and <laughs> money and therapy? Ooh, there's a combo. Uh, and we're also speaking with a woman who happens to be the power behind a very well-known Australian celebrity name. Mm, yes. I'd be interested to see who it is. Here's mm-hmm. a hint: cash cow. <laughs> she might That's not, not like her. that. No, That's no, not, not her. her. She... <laughs> Crickets. Okay. So today we're also talking about how important it is for women to take control of their finances and ensure that they have an independent plan for their retirement. Sorry, Peter, you're still making me laugh at that one. (laughs) This is a serious topic. We need to have an independent plan for our retirement. We're really going to get into how serious this is in a little while. Uh, While Australia's super system is something to be proud of, the gap between men and women in retirement savings most certainly isn't. One third of Australian women end up with no super at all. That's full on. And it's really scary. Yeah. I mean, women aged over 55 are the fastest growing group of homeless. That is, that is scary. Now, ladies, a man is not a plan. Oh, well, yes, he is. No. Oh, <laughs> Speak for yourself, Peter. I know, right? yeah. <laughs> I Unless I win the cash cow. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> now that means that we need to face the reality that we may well need to look after ourselves in our retirement. Rosie, I'm looking at you and I. Are you predicting I'm going to be single forever? Well, I'm definitely going to be single forever. Oh, all right. <laughs> Something to be proud of. Okay. <laughs> so, knowing what's in your super and what you need before you can retire with comfort and security is a must. Now, we want to help young women take action now to avoid the same fate, and we'll be suggesting how you can improve your superposition using experts from Australia's leading retirement advice provider, MLC. Yes, and one third of women face retirement with no savings. As Rosie just said, some end up homeless and relying on the government. We've been conducting a poll among our readers at Really Simple Money, and the results are really worrying. Now, almost 30% of you don't know what's in your super account. I mean, I think as soon as we started wow. the campaign, I looked into my super account and I thought, oh, actually, I should probably mm. probably tend to it I more often. I would have thought it'd be higher. I don't know any women my age who can just rattle off their super fund amount off the top of their head. Oh, neither can I. And now, did you know 70% of you don't think you are on track for that comfortable retirement? That's the scary figure. Mm. And the finance industry always talks about... Or aren't sure. Yes, only 29%. That's less than a third think they're on track and doing the right thing to retire comfortably. At least you can do maths, Peter. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, look, that's pretty shocking. I mean, what can we do about it? Financial advisors are always talking about financial independence and controlling your finances. But what does that actually mean? 
The important thing is to understand that no one can take care of your retirement plans better than you, and nor should they. So being a billionaire, I don't need to know about my finances? (laughs) When you're a billionaire, you'll know all about your finances. Well, unfortunately, not all of us are billionaires, and it's sad to say on life's journeys, people do get sick, and there's breakups, divorces... And money comes and goes. Yes, I've experienced a fair bit of that myself in my lifetime. That's why you're wearing lovely shoes. (laughs) (laughs) I know my priorities now, Burn. So taking control doesn't have to be scary, but it is really important. Now, we'll be talking to our resident expert, Genevieve Frost, about how you can work better to budget and be in control and also be independent. And our campaign is all about getting women the help they need. Free advice, fairness in the way super is dealt with, We all know about the gap that opens up when women have children and take a career break. Our friends at MLC are offering advice, tools and help for you to plan ahead. So go over to reallysimplemoney.com.au and take a look. It won't cost you a cent, but it will show you how you can save tens of thousands of dollars and feel more secure. Now, one person who absolutely gets this is someone who is, well, let's just say, a quiet achiever behind the scenes. David Koch needs no introduction. The financial guru and host of Channel 7's Sunrise is very well known, Mm -hmm. but his wife Libby, I call her the powerhouse in the Koch business empire, and she's a little less known, but she certainly knows all about ensuring that you're financially independent and how to run a business. So... Welcome, Libby, and thank you for joining us. Yes, thank you, Rose, and thank you for welcome. Well, I I know that uh, you certainly know a bit about ensuring that uh, women are financially independent. You've certainly been a financial guru in your own right over, over the years, and you also know how to run a business. That's uh, quite a good well, resume you've got there. Well, we uh, we have very we have very defined roles, David and I, with the uh, with the business. I'm very much the silent partner because um, I've got a different focus with my interest in finance. Because I'm, I mean, I'm a nurse by background. I'm mm. all about helping people, so that's where my interest in uh, budgeting and helping um, families, particularly that were under financial stress, to stretch their money further and protect themselves. And so that led through to me looking after our finances with that same uh, idea in mind. And then David doing what he does best of the big picture. I'm very much the little picture and he's the big picture. And I think that we're the real yin and yang couple. Absolutely. I'm not sure which one is more important, though. I mean, if if the the smaller picture isn't run very efficiently, then there is no big picture. Oh. Would you agree? Oh, you're, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. And that's why we uh, fit together so well and have lasted in our partnership in this uh, 43-year marriage and everything so so well that we do each appreciate the other's, other's gifts and the other's input. Well, 43 yeah. years. I, I can imagine you've got a few lessons <laughs> that yeah. you've learned over the years. Oh, boy, I could, uh, I could talk to you for hours about that. <laughs> no doubt. I mean, I hear that uh, the biggest, the number one argument amongst any couples um, in a lifetime is usually about money. Would you agree? Oh, absolutely. Closely followed by discrepancies with raising your children. But yeah. we, we have always said money is the big one and that's uh, again a lot of my focus because I just wanted to help you know people uh, get a bit of a better understanding men and women but largely 
you know, based around the women because mm. a lot uh, were not as financially literate as they could have been. And because mm. um, you're right, you're right, it just causes huge problems and breaks couples up and things like that. It, yeah, absolutely. Now you've you've absolutely hit the nail on the head there. I mean, financial literacy for women—that's what we are all about with our campaign. So it's interesting you say that's really the biggest thing that that you find when you're speaking with couples. And I heard a wonderful rumor that you, you mentioned that David looks after some of the bigger picture stuff, and you look after yeah. the more the day to day finances. Um, yes. I did hear that you have given David just a monthly or a weekly allowance and, yes. and that's so, how things flow so well between you. Is that so, right? So that, that was actually true, um, even though because we decided back when we started, because we had started having children so young and we thought, right, well, we, we did ourselves, yes, well, we could afford to live off your wage and mm. so I was going to be the stay-at-home mum and then I then started uh, actually then go back into the workforce when the youngest was uh like in grade six or something, mm. uh, went back to nursing, private nursing for a while, but always helping with David's businesses as director and things on the side. But of course, that was all unpaid work. Yes. <laughs> but um, anyway, so um, I I did because I was at home. I like right. Well, I'll do all the finances because yeah. uh, you know I've got time at home in my schedule. So I paid all the bills and I organised everything, your repairs, and uh, you know we did uh, renovations and mm. worked out. Uh, the sums and and the budget and I'd say Dave right well then you've got um, two hundred dollars left uh, <laughs> for you for this month for the month that's fantastic and so yes you know you use it use it I mean you know he'd use the credit card we have a joint credit card we always do everything jointly yes. but meaning okay keep your keep your eye on the game you've got two hundred dollars so don't go putting much more <laughs> on the credit card than that because I I I think the banks in Australia do amazingly well and I. I hate paying interest on my credit card. Yeah. And so that's where the um, that's where this allowance idea came from, so that I could always pay the credit card off every statement date that was due. <laughs> I love it. I yeah, love so it. Now, true Libby, story. Oh, it's a brilliant story. And I'm actually thinking I've got to put him back on an allowance. I think we're getting a bit carried away. Oh, yeah, <laughs> rein it in. He's probably, he's probably been living at large for too long. Oh, Keep him yeah. under control, I yes, say. Yes, well. <laughs> now, because we were talking about superannuation and, and how women need to be really mindful of it, would that be something that you personally, if I was, say, if I was to say to you, how much is in your super today, Libby, would you know? Uh, well, we have a we have our own like we have a combined um, private uh, super fund, and so yes, I, I do know because, as I say, we do try to live by what we say, and that's mm. like sit down together. I mean, we may not fully sit down; we we'll, like chat about the car or whatever. But yeah. uh, but at least once a month, we'll touch bases of finances. I you know I like like run him through about how how we're going with what I'm paying with balancing out all the bank accounts and things, and then he'll run me through on different investments that he's made and how our super fund's doing. And, Wonderful. Um, so, so, yeah, it really is a 15, I mean, we always say, you don't need much more than 15, 20 minutes and just, but just connect and keep each other informed. Yes. It's a huge mistake. I've, I've seen that in other couples too, where they just literally don't communicate, thinking, yep. oh, well, I'll just worry about it. You know that old, that old adage, well, well why, why both of us worry? Yeah, yeah. You no, know, that's just that's not really helpful ultimately for the other partner. 
No, that's right. And and yeah. two herds are better than one in in terms of you know keeping on top of things and working yeah. towards goals. It's not just Absolutely. about panicking about you know how no, dire things no. are. It can be about planning, planning no, ahead, so and creating a positive situation. Talk. Yeah, you have to talk about it and know where the yeah money's coming in and going out. What and what the super amounts are. And, where that is and mm. some, yeah well I, I love it I think you've given some really practical advice today I'm going to make sure my credit card is in check and I'm going to <laughs> reassess whether I'm living within my means I'm, I'm going to try Thank and work you. towards my strengths and and, yeah. and that was a great exactly. tip you said that you and David you divvy it up according to um you know he looks after your big strength. picture you take yeah. care of day to day and that's, that's your right. strength I, I think that's a yeah. fantastic way for the two of you to approach it um, yeah, exactly. And and yeah, Libby, I I just I take my hat off to you because you are you're um you're a woman ahead of your own time. As you've said, your peers weren't doing what you have been doing from the start, yeah. and you can thank your mum for that. Yeah, no doubt, exactly. your daughters will thank you. And, oh yeah, um, they're, they're, they're really yeah they're really onto it. I make sure of it. <laughs> that's it. But all of our listeners as well, no doubt, have um, have learned something from today. I know I have, and I'm really pleased to have heard your honesty and your discipline around finances. Um, yeah. So I'm very grateful for your oh. time today, Libby. Oh, it's lovely, lovely speaking with you, Rose. Yeah. And and one final question: Has the cash cow gone? The cash cow? Yes, we heard a rumor that the cash cow has gone. I, I haven't heard the cash cow's gone. <gasps> oh well, you, that might be breaking oh. news. We're very pleased to I hear have that. I've not heard. Okay, that. we'll get Sorry, on to it. The investigation can't, continues. Can't fill you in about okay. that. <laughs> But I will ask. <laughs> We're on to it. All right, you heard it here yeah. first. Thank you again, <laughs> Libby. Wishing you a wonderful right. afternoon. Thanks a lot. Well, we've heard of financial advisors and we've heard of therapists, but here's a woman who has discovered a very real need for both, and it's called financial therapy. According to research, almost half of Australians are stressed about money, myself included. I'm going to put my hand <laughs> oh, up I'm there. definitely putting my hand up too, yeah. Rosie. And, uh, and so financial therapist, Jane Monica Jones, thank you for joining us. Hi, Jane. Thank you so much for having me. It's, a, it's an absolute delight to be here. Look, I reckon there's a few people out there wondering what exactly is the role of a, a financial therapist? I mean, is it exactly as it sounds? What does it involve? Yeah, I am a psychotherapist. That's my background. Um, so I think we often have an idea that money is just the numbers. But in fact, it's a projection of all our hopes, fears, desires, yeah, and dreams and anything that we're challenged around that in, in that way. Many therapists work either in relationships or issues of self-esteem. Um, I work with our issues with money and that can be overspending when we're stressed or it could be under earning which might have a link to self-esteem or practices such as overt financial risk like gambling and why why that's happening for people oh man this is a whole can of interesting stuff that I, I honestly I could talk to you for days on this topic I reckon <laughs> we're talking about two of the things two of the most scary things out there for people one money and number two therapy like you know that's the skeletons in the closet type stuff and so when you're putting both in the same basket and saying let's talk about this you're really dealing with a lot of fear-based content aren't you 
The nature of money is, you know, I work in this area and I've worked in it a long time. And so I'm really curious about why it's kind of like the last taboo. It's kind of the conversations that we should be having about money we didn't have around sex 20, 30 years ago. Mm. So it really is that last taboo. And why? Why is it taboo? Because it makes us feel so vulnerable. Yeah. Mm. And humans are not great with being vulnerable. So, of course, we don't want to talk about places that make us feel vulnerable. Um, I think what's really interesting is, is that we have social cues and narrative to say you need to be competent. Uh, in this area or you need to be competent about how you survive and thrive and particularly when we have these cues that say the measure of who you are as a person as a human being is about how much money you may or may not have so of course that takes us to a very vulnerable place and we don't want to go there and I can you know totally understand why it's challenging for us. So Jane, in your experience what are some of the most common emotional or financial errors that women make? And how do they kind of overcome them? Yeah, look, I think broadly, I would say courage and and bravery. That's the biggest issue for Mm. for women. And what happens to us when we're not courageous and we're not brave around our money? Some of the biggest, simplest thing is that we lose our voice. We lose the capacity to ask for more. We lose the, the capacity to step in and step up. And that is a quality of bravery um, or courage, being courage, courageous. Now, that's got nothing to do with money. Yet women, uh, because of so many structural issues, yeah. so many societal issues, means that we have a, a, a lower level of feeling courageous um, as, a, as a big cohort. And yeah. I think that really that is beyond money you know how do we teach women girls to be more courageous it highlights that we're sitting right here on this exciting cusp it's a real crossroads here in in society where women are now being expected to be empowered and independent financially and yet the traditions haven't been there in the past so even women really of of my generation and and Burns generation I'm not that far ahead but not um, at all we're only a year apart mm, 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 mm. Um, but it's it's almost like we are the women that are going to be leading the way in how this shift is happening where yes we're excited about being more independent and empowered but we haven't necessarily been handed those skills so it's going to be a bit of um taking that momentum upon ourselves and then our generations, our daughters are going to be the ones that will have that built in and handed to them in in some respects, hopefully. Well, I think in, in just jumping off that point then, I mean, we're talking about superannuation in our campaign and I guess the key thing is, is how to get women to think of their superannuation independently from their husbands. Mm. And we know that divorce rate is really high. And for many, a man is not a plan, especially now. So how can we kind of educate women to think this way, especially like, you know, younger women like our in our age? Because I know, Rosie, you've been in a situation where you've had to think of superannuation on your own. 100 percent you know and I'm I'm very much a typical example of a lot of women of my generation you know having experienced a divorce or now being a single mother and and going through maternity leave where I didn't get paid my superannuation and so you know I I have to be particularly organized and thinking ahead Jane what are some things that you're seeing around that we do have 
unfortunately, <laughs> this idea of a fairy tale, you know. I think we need to kind of kill off some of these fairy tale concepts that some man's going to ride in and sweep us off our feet. Mm, so no billionaires then. <laughs> <laughs> we also need to get really explicit to say these are the rates of divorce. These are the bigger issues like the cohort, my cohort, I'm in my 50s, where a lot of women are now ending up being homeless after looking after children, caring for loved ones, and this is how we repay them is the large cohort going because they don't have superannuation. We just need to get really explicit and kill off some narratives that say, you know, that, yeah, you know, someone's not going to kind of rush in and save you. A man is not a plan. Um, we, need to t- we, we need to kind of wake up or become more um, self-empowered to just really take our own place. I think it really is about having those honest conversations. And mm. I'd be curious to see, like, what you will tell the girls as they grow up. You know? Absolutely. I think it is about, like you said, Jane, killing off the stereotype mm. and also as you said, Bernd, starting that conversation, making this something that is absolutely acceptable to to chat about and to be open and brave about, I think it's time to kill that taboo around money for women. Well, you know what's interesting? Yeah. I remember because my mum mum got married quite young and, you know, my parents are in their 70s, but the first thing that mum had said to me was, Make sure you get yourself an education. Even if you get married, make sure you have a separate bank account. Make sure you've got, you know, assets of your own. Mm. And what I found really brave about what my mum had said is that, you know, she came from a generation where it was expected that the men would take care of everything. And she said, you're not, it's not going to be like that when you grow up you have to rely on yourself, mm. you know, you have to be financially stable. Yeah. I mean, I can I can disclose here, during my marriage, I really did um, have a typical scenario where my ex was the main money earner. Um, I was looking after the kids and he was very much in control of all of the finances. And to the point where I look back and I really kick myself now for not asking more questions, mm. for not having more of my own independence and being proactive around it. But I'm fast learning now. And I am really enjoying this new sense of independence. And um, and when things are going right financially for me, God, it feels good. It feels so much better, oh, yeah. Exactly. So rewarding. Yeah. I wish I had known this so long ago, regardless but, but of the, the relationship is, or not. Yeah, but the key thing is that you're still learning now. And oh, I think yeah. that's the thing that you'll, you know, we all have to yeah. get through in life. Do you know, one yeah. of the biggest things I am learning is that I need to have some discipline mm. around my finances. And that's not something that comes naturally for me. Oh, <laughs> look at my wardrobe. I've got so many pairs of shoes. <laughs> so, okay. So Jane, would you say that um, financial therapy is something that really only has to step in once things have started to go wrong, once there's trauma for yourself or your relationship? Or can this be something that's more of a proactive, preventative approach? Yeah, look, you, I mean, you're talking about resiliency, you know, just what you were talking about with your, you know, going through a divorce or going through a job loss. Our capacity to be resilient um, has a lot to do with those sort of soft skills of confidence, um, you know, being able to brush ourselves off and then and then step up and step back in again. I don't do the work of financial counsellors. The wonderful work that Australia is very fortunate to have is financial counsellors when we're in crisis. Um, but I do do with the psychological fallout of a job loss, a divorce, mm. um, you know, chronic problems associated with 
poverty, growing up in poverty or growing up in financially abusive households. So these are all, you know, these are all psychological challenges that a lot of people have, if not (laughs) most of us have, Mm. whether we have a lot of money or we have a little bit of money, the way that money affects our mental health is exactly the same. It can cause stress. It can cause um, sense of lack of confidence. It can yeah, have a big impact on our mental health. And we often feel that, and I have a lot of people that have a lot of money in my practice that come and work with me. And I have a lot of people that don't have a lot of money. The way it hits the mental health, affects our mental health, is exactly the same. It's a great equaliser in that way. Absolutely sensational advice there, Jane. Monica Jones, financial therapist and my new personal guru, thank you so much for your time today. We'll chat to you again soon. Now let's cross over to one of my favourite moments of the week, Jen Frost, a money expert from Insignia Financial, formerly known as IOOF, and this is for our regular spot, The Reality Check. Jen, we hear the phrase, take charge of your money, quite a lot, but what exactly does that mean? It really just means being able to answer some basic questions about your financial position without having to do too much hard work trying to dig it out. And that is, what is the money coming into my account every week, every month, whatever it is? What is a ballpark for my outgoings? Now, we all know, let's be real about this, Rosie, that goes up and down drastically depending on what's going on in our life. But we need to have a baseline understanding, particularly of what I call the underlying outgoings, the ones that we really can't move. So things like bills and rates and perhaps mortgage repayments or rent, you know, we need to know what that number is. We need to know what debt position we're in. And Rosie, I'm calling this one wide open because debt, I mean, it's just, it's icky. And I'm not talking about mortgages because that's that's a that's a big fat debt that's a means to hopefully a beautiful end. I'm talking about credit card debts, personal loans, things that we know spiral out of control really, really quickly. And I think not just women, all humans tend to do a bit of, you know, is it a flamingo or an ostrich that puts their head in the sand? <laughs> Whichever <laughs> bird it is. I'm not good with birds. Um, but we, we dig our head under the sand and we go, I'm just not going to look at it. I don't know how much I've got in debt. Well, babes, you need to know. Like you got to know that. So the answer is taking charge of your money is getting your head out of the sand, having true, and I don't mean down to the final dollar. I just mean knowing what's coming in, what's going out, what debt position am I in? There really is a certain um, liberation when you do, you get it out in the open and you just put all of the cards on the table and and that's half the step, isn't it? Just owning up to what, what you're looking at. And then, like you said, it's as simple as going, okay, what's coming in? What's coming out? And narrowing it down into those smaller brackets of which ones are flexible, which ones are set in stone. And then you know what you've got to deal with. It doesn't have to be this big, scary black monster in the corner of the room or the pink elephant. <laughs> <laughs> you know what, though, Rosie? I think we've got to acknowledge that that process that you just mentioned, and this is basically a budget, guys, like that's the basis of a budget, but doing this is fine if you're okay. Like doing this is fine if you are in the green and if you haven't gone too far. The reason why we don't do this is because 
we have gone too far and it can be terribly confronting, terribly emotional to actually put it on paper and actually acknowledge what's going on. So I think it's important to say to the audience, this is a safe space. I'm giving you, if I reach out to just one person with my voice today, I'm giving you permission, no judgment. Mm. doesn't matter what you've done in the past. It does not matter if you have racked up a huge debt and you're drowning. It's okay. Just get it out, put it on paper, acknowledge the position you're in. Let's be real about it. You've gone a bit too far. That's okay. The next point is the important one. This isn't about looking back and feeling all this regret. It's about looking forward and making the right decisions from today into the into the future. You're so right, Jen. I mean, when I speak to any one of my best girlfriends, and I've got quite a few awesome chickas out there, we all have been in this boat at some point or another. You know, it's kind of like a rite of passage being a female, but we think we're alone in that. Mm. We think that it's our dirty shame, you know, and, and we as, as women, we do carry a lot of emotion around finance. You know, it, it is a relationship that we have with it. And the minute you put shame alongside money, then it's it's just going to compound and get worse over time. So let's, as you said, let's take the judgment out of it. Let's take the shame out of it. We're all in this together. We've all been there at some point. Let's pull our resources and our advice and our support and get things back on track. So, all right, let's just go there. Let's say, use me as an example. I had a uni debt. I went traveling and I had a personal loan and I racked that one up and it's just... It is what it is. I don't regret doing that travel, but now I'm lumped with this loan. This is a hypothetical. I did actually have that loan back in my 20s and it took me a long time to pay it off. We all did. (laughs) We all did. And then throw in my hex debt on top of that and trying to get on top of things as as a young single female in Australia. It's it's horrendous. So what's your advice in, in getting it out into the open and where do we go from there? Look, I think we can't overlook the fact that there is discipline involved. There has to be. We have to at some point stop spending to start reversing some of the debt that we take on. But as I said, first and foremost, how much is there? Then it's about setting an action plan. And the one option that has always worked for me is taking out the physical act of repaying debt and setting up as much automation as possible. Now, if all you can afford is $5 a week. All I can afford is $5 a week to go onto this personal loan or to go onto my credit card debt. Then I want you to go and set up a direct debit right now for $5. Now, if you're in a financial position to to try and stretch yourself, because you've got a debt to pay off, right? Like there's no doubt it's going to make you a little bit uncomfortable. It's going to have to. So let's say it's a hundred. Let's say you can push yourself a little bit further. I'm going to push myself to 110. I'm going to try 110. Set up that direct debit now and start recalibrating your life on this new amount of money that's in your account. Rosie, you and I have spoken about this before. We all, it doesn't matter if you're earning $30,000, $330,000 or more, we run often in a cycle where we spend what's in our bank account. And Jen, you're so right because I'm also thinking, you know, if you're going to put out 110, we just do find ourselves adjusting to whatever that scenario is. So if we set that limit, before you know it, you are able to make that adjustment and surprise yourself. You know, it's like, okay, great. I'm going to make my coffee from home and take it in my little takeaway mug at home. It adds up. We can make these adjustments as we go. 
it's amazing what we're actually capable of when we're forced to. And Rosie, I, I again, I'm going to kind of get a bit personal here. You know, we have had periods in our life that have been much tougher than others. And certainly when my husband and I both moved back from the UK and, you know, we were looking at different job opportunities, we already had one daughter and we found ourselves in a position where we had to pay a lot more attention to our financial position. And it was amazing. The first one we noticed, Rosie, was how much we were spending at the grocery store. When you go into a go into Coles or Woolworths uninhibited, the amount of money that I spend in that trolley is phenomenal. When I walk in that door and say, today's family shop for the week is going to be $120 because that's what I want. That's all I've got. That's, that's what it's going to be. You know what? I'm capable of doing it. I'm capable of that bill being 500 and I'm capable of it being 120. It's discipline. It's choice. It's, it's, I'm not reaching for the, for the duck breasts. I'm reaching for the half price sale meat that I'm going to turn into a couple of different meals. It's choice. Love your disclosure with that, Jen. I've absolutely been in that same boat as well, knowing that I've got a very strict budget that I have to stick to and, you know, trying to buy nappies and, and baby food in amongst that is really challenging, but there's no worse feeling than getting to the checkout and saying, oops, um, I can't afford to pay. Mm, mm. I've I've personally been there. So let's keep on track. I'm loving these tips. We've got to the the discipline and, and having those automatic payments going through, which takes the shame out of it and the pressure and, and all that emotion as well. It's just done. Yeah, as much automation as possible. And that really correlates with whatever goals, whatever position we're in, whether it's paying off debt or contributing to an emergency fund, set up automation so that you just don't have to think about it. It's gone before it came in and that's where it goes and I live off what's left behind. I think that's fundamentally important. That's brilliant. Would you also recommend, just a random question for you, but when you pick up the phone and you actually speak to the companies that you have your debt with, and they're often the ones that are calling you and hounding you and making you feel panic and anxiety every time you see the phone ringing, like, oh my God, it's the bank or it's it's Freedom Furniture. I've got to pay this off. When you start that conversation, you say, look, here it is, guys, um, I'm going through hardship or here it is, this is how much I can afford to pay. Can we set up a payment plan? There are always ways that you can have independent relationships with whoever is providing you with these, these loans or whatever your debt scenario is. And there are ways around it. They want to know that they're being kept in the loop and that they will see that repayment at the end of the day. So is that something that you suggest? Yeah, absolutely, Rosie. And I think let's specifically look at banks in this case. And and we are coming out of the back of, of well, rolling into the third of, of the pandemic years. And certainly that first bit of 2020 when so many people lost their jobs and so many people found themselves in, in positions of real hardship for the first time perhaps in their life. And one of the things I constantly said is pick up the phone and speak to your bank because, We are blessed in this country to have really fantastic banking institutions and they genuinely do want to help you as the customer. So pick up the phone and have a conversation exactly as you said. Is there a payment plan that I can put into place? Is there something I can structure so that I am disciplined and connected to repaying this debt within whatever confines that I find myself in? 
that's it. We don't need to think of them as the school principal and we're going to be. No, <laughs> no, but also just don't ignore it. You know, I think, again, Rose, this goes back to what we said in the beginning, the single biggest issue, I think we've all done it at some point, is just ignoring it and thinking it's going to go away. Mm. Like if there's one person out there who needs to hear this, darling, I'm sorry, but it ain't going away. Like there's no knight in shining armour who's going to come in and pay off your debt. There's no you know, for most of us, there's no lottery wins. So instead just be super brave, put your head up and go, right, what have I got to do to get on top of this? Now you've hit that one on the head because ultimately we're all looking for financial independence, aren't we? I love this, but it's such a broad phrase in the industry. What is financial independence? Why is it important? And especially why is this so important for us females? Yeah, look, independence, I mean, this obviously correlates differently for different age groups. You know, certainly um, at the beginning of perhaps our our working life, whether it's young teens or 20s or perhaps for some people 30s, it's perhaps financial independence from our parents. You know, it's that first big step of going, I am in control of my finances without assistance from my parents. So I'm able to pay the bills. I'm able to buy the groceries. I'm able to buy, I'm able to pay the rent all on my own. That's financial independence. The next bit and the next stage of our life becomes far more murkier as, as we as big grown-ups start taking on all sorts of different relationships. So as so many of us do, there's ex-wives, ex-boyfriends, ex-girlfriends, there's kids, there's parents, there's family members who might be financially attached to you. The most important thing I think for, particularly for women, and we say this warily, but I say this specifically that statistically women are more likely to be worse off in a divorce. Now, that is not always the case. There are plenty of men who've been rolled in divorces, so that is not a hard and fast rule. But the most important thing is that you are aware of your own financial position. Now, your own financial position may very well be as one half of a family unit. Therefore, you need to be aware of the family's financial position. The single biggest issue we see, particularly as as relationships break down, de facto or marriage, is I didn't even know that this existed. I didn't even know that he had that debt. I didn't even know that she had that bank account. I didn't even know that he'd opened these accounts or he'd bought that or she'd bought that. And it can be really hard to be open and honest in a relationship, but we cannot truly be financially independent unless it's out on the table. And unless we're aware of both where our money is and where the household money is, therefore perhaps your partners. <laughs> Jen, I'm just, I'm, I'm seeing a prediction now of everyone starting to disclose their financial situations in the marriage. We're going to see a massive spike in divorce case. <laughs> Oh my God, Rosie, look, I think again, it's really important to call this, you know, this is icky stuff. Like for a lot of people, this is not something I want to talk about. So I really do want to say to the audience, you know, tread gently, tread lightly. If this is, if you're in a relationship where this hasn't been on the table before, you know, it isn't about going in gung-ho and saying, oh, this chick on a podcast told me we're going to tell everything, you know, (laughs) get on the table. You know, you might have to tread a a little bit more gently than that. Yeah. You might have to slowly, we don't want slowly. hate mail. Just for anyone listening, don't send the hate mail to us. <laughs> to work out that your partner has those uh, separate accounts or separate debts. 
Jen, you've just nailed it once again. And I'm pleased to say in our next episode with you, we'll be talking about the other side of getting your financials in order income, making money with work, investments, side hustles, pay rises. I can't wait for that one. I can't wait for that either. Uh, From you guys at home, don't forget to get your questions over to Jen at reallysimplemoney.com.au and sign up for our newsletter for more great tips and the chance to win a month's worth of groceries. Thanks everyone for joining today and thanks for listening. Send us your support for our campaign to make super fair. Click on the podcast link.